Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. This is the Ash London Podcast. I am, you guessed it, Ash London. Reformed radio host, new mum and human being on a quest to live my best life when it feels like the world around me is imploding. Sound familiar? Every Tuesday, we do a bit of mum chat. Every Thursday, I do my favourite thing on the planet and I interview a guest. From celebrities who have entertained us over the craziness of the last two years to everyday people with inspiring stories. This is the Ash London Podcast. Not too much of an intro for me today because I think I just want to let this conversation speak for itself, but some background perhaps. So Ben Abraham is my favourite singer in the world. He's also one of my dear friends. He actually even sang me down the aisle at my wedding. The song was And I Love You So by Don McLean, if you were wondering. We met in church as teenagers and in this chat we do a lot of unpacking. There's a lot of honesty from both of us and I talk about some stuff I don't think I've ever even really discussed publicly about my own faith and subsequent loss of faith. Ben just released his second album, Friendly Fire, and on the eve of that release, proudly told the world via social media um, that he's queer and that it's not really much of a big deal. If I may read from the post, because Ben always puts it better than me, This this is just a little part, he said, Someone told me once that spirituality and sexuality are two sides of the same coin, each an expression of the desire in all of us to connect with something outside ourselves. This definitely resonates with me both as a church-going Jesus guy and as a queer person, and embracing the unknowns of each has been expansive and empowering. I guess either way, that's exactly what faith should be, expansive and empowering. Let's get into this chat as we welcome my friend, Ben Abraham. Hello. Hello, matey moo. <laughs> hey, pal. So we should just preface for everyone listening that I was five minutes late because I was in my Zoom and then had, had my audio wrong. And usually for like, you know, proper famous people, I have it right. twice. <laughs> You can tell them why you were late. She was listening to Maddie Diaz, New Person, Old Place. Which you talked about in an interview and I thought, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that that I'm happy to know that my recommendation led one person to go and seek it out. But I feel like we both know that mm, I know from knowing you for so long that generally if you like a song, I like a song. Yes, that is true. I was like, well, obviously I'm going to like this song. In fact... I think for many years now you've made me cooler by association and also by <laughs> that is not, musical That is taste. not true. Maybe we've, I, made, I maybe, maybe we've made each other cooler over yeah, the I years. Yeah, I think we've made each other cooler. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to start because there's so much. And I've actually written notes, which I usually don't do for people I know as well as you. Mm. I usually just let it be like, we'll go where we go. But I wanted to, to do this justice. So 
I'm excited. Hey, there's some research and words <laughs> But I think it all starts – I think our history is so perfectly linked to, like, everything that this album is maybe about – yeah. Slash. So I think it makes sense to maybe start with us. Does that does that feel great? Good for you? I'm going to follow you. I'm excited about okay. this. Okay. Well, hopefully you do follow me and don't take over yeah. your, my podcast interview. <laughs> so we've known each other. I still remember the very first time I what? met you. Tell me it about was it. After it was after I had spoken at a church thing, and Anya brought you. You had short hair. Oh, the hair was so bad. And I remember we were walking in the parking lot above the building. Remember yeah. at Genazano, there's yeah, that yeah. parking lot above. You were walking to your car and we bumped into each other and Anya was like, this is my friend Ash. And she was like, yeah, she just saw you speak and you were like, yeah, it was, it was good. It was, but it was so clear. You were like playing it too cool. You're like, yeah, it was, it was okay. It was good. <laughs> and I remember being like, who is this girl? <laughs> None of us are and cool. We just spent our Saturday night at a high school talking about Jesus. So she needs to give that exactly. up. Exactly. Uh, so that is embedded in my brain as the very first moment that I interacted with you. Mm. But I always did feel an affinity with you because I was like, you know what it's like. You grew up in church and you, yeah. you think you're a bit cool. So when you see a beacon of anyone else that kind of either has the – propensity to look around and be like this is a bit bullshit or it's has- the sort of it's it's the rupaul thing of like seeing the matrix right yeah you know how rupaul talks about that like the- i don't know how he- rupaul talks RuPaul about RuPaul it talks about it in the context of drag that dressing in drag and the process of drag forces you to look at the matrix and that that's part of the concept of of drag as an idea is that it's about assessing the constructs of how we've built the world and i think yeah, I feel like it's that kindred spirit thing that you're talking about. When you see someone in, especially in like a church or a religious mm. environment, when you're like, I recognize an yes. ability to see the matrix in this person. And I that's so beautiful because I think I can probably name three or four people. I mean, I'm 35 years old and I've been, until I stopped going, my whole yeah. life was spent in church. And of yeah. all of that time, I think I can count on one hand the people that... I feel that affinity with and yeah, they're all really yeah. cool people that I still, now I've lost touch with none of them, interestingly, because yeah. I think it's a bit of a touchstone, right? They're the people that like when you yeah. hear about something, yeah, I've got to yeah, send them yeah, a text. You're, you're, you're sending articles about Carl Lentz to each other. <laughs> You know, and if it's like for me, it's like DJ Khaled, another one, you know, like, <laughs> <Another> one. <laughs> because I still am very like burn it down, which I'll, I'll know I'll yeah. get past eventually. And we're probably, you know, we're in different places on that. But you had the added um, complications, a bad word, just the added everything that comes with being a pastor's kid. And I think from outside, from the outsiders, Versus the inside. Insiders in church know that the PKs, as we call them, the pastor's kids, yeah. are generally the ones that are most likely to become drug addicts. Like we know that <laughs> when you're in, but on the outside thing, oh, but they're pastor's kid. This, you know, they uh-huh. would be the most, you know, uh, follow the rules and do everything correctly and love Jesus the most. Yeah. Uh, and 
I mean, your parents have done pretty well because there's like 12 of you and you're all like really smart, well-adjusted, great people. Relatively. No, you are. I know you all. Uh, I mean, Ebony, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, no, <laughs> I hope she listens. Um, but for people listening that maybe don't understand the mechanics of what it is like to be a, a pastor's kid, give me the one-minute rundown. Well, I was... I was late to being a pastor's kid. My parents started their church when I was 12. I had grown up, they'd always been in leadership. So I'd always been like a leader's kid, Mm. but I wasn't, my parents weren't running the place until I was a teenager. But it's the cliche is that you are, you're thought of amongst all the other kids at the church as being like good because your parents run the place. And um, and I think early on you want to be, good you want to like be involved and help your parents as much as you can and then i think the reason that most pastors kids become a cliche is because if at some point you realize it's exhausting to mm. try and do that and then you do the opposite and you're like you know what i'm gonna be the worst <laughs> i never i actually never went through that phase really um but i recognize it in plenty of people and i get why mm. um ours was unique because my parents didn't take over a church that existed or they weren't pastors in a church of thousands of people. They started their church with nobody. So they had six kids and then there were like two families at the very first gathering in someone's house. Mm. So I grew up essentially watching my parents like start a small business. And it's very hard in that context, not to be all in and like help out however you can. Of course. Because you, it's different to like, I didn't just show up and there were like 200 people all looking yeah. at me and I was like, ugh, I hate these people. Mm. I started with, no, like I watched them begin with nothing and every new person that came in, it was like, ooh, are these going to be our new friends? Aww. Which has plenty of its own, <laughs> you know, like has all of its own kind of psychological baggage. Yeah. But I think my relationship with being a PK is probably also different to other people's. Yeah. And then there's a relationship with music because I think for anyone that grew up in church, because even though you, your parents didn't come, didn't come past us till you were 12. We both grew up, for as long as I can remember, going to church every weekend. Always, always. And then Wednesday nights and whatever, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. But music yeah. <laughs> is such an integral part of that life, especially when you are you are like the, the Indonesian-Australian Christian Von Trapp family. In that, like, you are all like a... Well, it was it was our whole life, I would say, because before my parents started the church, they were music ministers mm. uh, in churches. Before they For were people Christians, who don't know, like... there's, like, specific pastors within some churches yeah. that just deal with the music. Exactly. They just kind of run all the singing that happens in a, in a church community. Uh, so my parents were musicians before they were Christians, then they became Christians and they kind of gave up their careers and then focused on we only want to play music in church. And so they were just known kind of around Australia as mm. being the church singers. Yeah. And then uh, me and my four siblings were born into that culture. So music and, and faith have been from day one inseparable mm. to me. Absolutely. I've only ever known both. I think of Christianity and faith and I think of music and I think of mm. music and I think of Christianity and faith. Mm. That makes a lot of sense to me. Did you ever, like, was there ever a sense for you, like you knew you were musically talented, obviously. You all were. Obviously. Oh, duh. <laughs> but I think it can be unhealthy also, and this is something we see over and over and over and over again in church is this idea that, 
the elevation of the of the musical people and it is the cool thing to do, right? The the worship leader is the cool person and you know the joke is that they usually but it was a it was a bit different I felt I think I think I grew up in a different time because that really is a post Hillsong mm. thing where the idea of like Christian rock stars and the, like the person up the front. Yeah, but you were still something. leading worship well after Joel Houston was like every girl's yeah, dream but, Yeah, guy. but I think I think by that point I had enough of an understanding of gotcha. what I was doing. That it, it, I really mean this. It never affected my ego in that way. Yeah. I just think because I grew up in an environment where it was always spiritual and it was always mm. like, I just, I've never, I've never seen church musicians as being especially cool or putting them on any kind of pedestal. And I've certainly yeah. never responded to anyone trying to do that yeah. to me. And that's very much a your parents thing because they really, like I went to your church for a while, for a good while after kind of leaving the big church smoke machine thing. And your parents were like, well, no, we're going to do it in a, in a basketball, in a like, you know, <laughs> in a school hall, and we're not going to try That's and make right. this cool. And you said something to me once, ages ago. Maybe it wasn't to me. Maybe it was at church. But you said either God is enough or He's not. So yeah. if if we don't think He's enough, then we're going to try and like make ourselves cool and dress cool. But if we think He's enough, we shouldn't need to. And I think that really stuck with me for a very long time. <laughs> Not forever, but for a very no, 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 still stuck with me. I think it's one of the only things I've taken from that whole. (laughs) So did you? Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that I just think that about a a lot of that stuff. It's like either it's real or it's not. And if it's real, then why do we need any of the other kind of bullshit? Yeah. Well, now I don't know if it's real, but I sense that you you probably still think it's still know it's Russians. I still think it's real. That sounds shit. I don't mind if you say that. We've gone. We've gone in very different directions. But I think yeah. of all the people I can still – this is very honest and, and I know it's bad because we're supposed to respect other people's faiths. But – and this is a big struggle for me. I sometimes struggle to do that. But I still kind of feel like well, – I look I a lot of the, a lot of people that, that we love. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's I, hard. <laughs> that is, But that's true and that's really hard. And I think a lot yeah. of people wouldn't understand that, that for both of us, some of the people we hold dearest to us – we have this like fundamental difference. Some of it I think is connected to the matrix thing, right? Where mm-hmm. some people I think are so devoted, but you're like, I don't think they've ever even tried to see yeah. the matrix to see outside of their bubble. Mm. And, but they're, they're all in on their devotion. And I find that hard to empathize with. I think it's different when you're like, Oh, okay. Here's somebody that I think has grappled with, life outside of Mm. this institution and even maybe gone out and lived it and then made a decision to like find some kind of middle ground, which I think is where I, I'm at. I mean, Ash, I'm, I work at a church again. Like how, sorry. I know. How did that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's not something that I, (laughs) it's not something I wanted to do. It's not something I particularly want to do, but I, and I can't tell if it's like just muscle memory yeah. or if I'm, or if there is something like spiritually or deeper, like actually pulling me back in. But I will say like I somehow blinked and now I'm helping to run music at a church, a little church in LA. And I love it. Like it's, it's yeah. exhausting and it's, it's still a church and it's, you know, you have those moments, but I don't know. I, I, and it's that weird thing. I'm with you. Like I, of course I have these moments where I'm like, wait, 
what? <laughs> but then I, but then I have experiences sometimes in, but usually for me, it's in the music where I'm like, yeah, but that's I, what, when I, I think what... it's just the, like, I remember times when you'd be up there leading worship, but I'd be thinking, I reckon this is just Ben's talent, not God. That's giving me the goosebumps. And I probably still believe that. I mean, I wish, I hope I'm that talented. You are, no, <laughs> as one of your biggest fans, like as someone who spent my whole life in worship scenarios, that was yeah. always my fear, Ben. And I know that there is, and I know that there is a, a, not more than a connection, perhaps God and music are really one in the same. So mm. I get that because I get the same feeling from a really beautiful song that makes me want to connect with something outside myself. And I think that is yeah. that is the closest thing that I know to be God now. That's all I've got. Yeah. But for me, but I just, yeah, like I, I, I do specifically remember being like, yeah, no, I feel this way because this, like those harmonies are so I beautiful guess. and he's written such a gorgeous song. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think about that all the time. I also think, I also think in some ways I am my best in a church environment. Mm. As a not as a performer, <clears throat> because I don't think that performance plays into it. But as a as a singer, and I, I think that people that experience music with me in those spaces then see me play at my shows. I I think that they're different things. Yeah, they are. They are, yeah. For all my and talking I, shit, they absolutely are. And I think, and I the only difference is somehow that one is a spiritual environment and one isn't particularly spiritual. And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, maybe I'm just singing different. Maybe, maybe lifting your hands up places your voice differently, (laughs) but I, but you know, like I, I, I will say then it also goes the other way and I get a lot of feedback on my singing that people who have, who have no idea about church stuff or anything. Um, I just like, why, why do I have an existential crisis every time you sing? (laughs) <laughs> and again, I don't know what that is. I mean, is that just the kind of voice I have? Mm. I don't know. I I obviously have made a decision at this point in my life to sort of pursue what I think is the spiritual side of things. But I'm with you in that. I, I, it's not that I have one foot in, one foot out, but I'm filled with doubts and questions and like look, looking over my shoulder all the time. Mm. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So if we look at it through the prism of you as a singer-songwriter and we look at your albums and we look at Sirens that came out, when did that come out? 2014. Shit, so long ago. I know. That's how old we are, yeah. We old. We old. And Friendly Fire, which which just came out, which I absolutely Mm. love. I know you pretty well and I can listen to those two albums side by side and know that two very, very different people wrote those albums. Mm -hmm. So what in you had to die, grow, evolve, whatever from, from sirens to get to where we are 
I mean, it's a big question <laughs> and we could take half an hour to answer that. I mean, well, the process of, we I don't know, we can get into detail about it, but I, everything changed really mm. between the first and second album. I think uh, as an artist, I was still, there was a lot about, because I knew music in church, playing music out of church, I was still filled with insecurity about what I was doing, what I could do, what I had yeah. the right to kind of, I didn't like calling myself a musician because I was just a singer who then picked up a guitar. Mm. I think those insecurities carried through to that album. So when I listen to that album, I hear good songwriting that's that's not a fully steady hand. I hear production that's heavily influenced by the people that I was around because I didn't have a strong sense of my own mm. musical identity or I didn't have the confidence to express that in that collaboration. And something that um, our mutual friend, my ex, uh, partner pointed out to me um, the woman at the center of half of this new album. She, I, this I stuck with me and I, I loved it because it was true. Um, she said that one of the funny, and she genuinely said it with a sense of humor, not as an attack, but she said one of the funniest things about sirens to her was that the songs feel so intimate and personal and like I'm being really honest and my heart is on my sleeve. But if you actually listen to the songs, I'm not. They're all other people's stories. Mm. And it's the truth. If you listen to the way that I used to talk about that, I oh, might say this song so much is inspired by me. that yeah. person, this song's about that person. Because I don't think I had the emotional, well, I didn't have the emotional maturity to fully be vulnerable. And then secondly, I didn't have the confidence in myself mm-hmm or the, the vocabulary to even begin to articulate the things that I now not that I've now written about. And now I can like talk about in the new album. So they, you're not wrong in saying it's a different person. It's mm. like, it's like an entire like cellular regeneration um, that's taken place where it's still me, but all the cells have been replaced mm. and yeah, so it's fun. I haven't even listened to Sirens for a long time. I'm not sure how I would go listening to it mm. now. But I, whoever I am on this new album is, I just am so much more impressed by it and and it's so much more honest. And she messaged me like last week and just said, it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and she is one of those people that if she tells you it's beautiful, it means a lot because it means a lot. she's yeah, yeah, yeah. on another level. We're also, we are talking, I mean, the, the, there's plenty of trauma but between us but we are we're kind of there's a bit of a friendship there so we're good i was as someone who knows you and loves you as a person and as, as a musician i was shocked delighted overwhelmed had a cry when you just before release this album pretty much just came out with it all in one instagram post and not even in like a this is a bombshell way just in like a yeah, yeah, this is everything that's gone on. This is where I'm at. Yeah. I want you to know this before you hear the album because ultimately it will make the album make sense. Please. Yeah. And it wasn't you begging, please don't make it a big deal. It was you going, I've learnt as I've grown up that this actually isn't a big deal. Yeah. So, and a lot of it had to do with her and that relationship and that breaking down. Ultimately, your queerness, which I never – I hoped would be, I just never thought you would. I honestly never, I was like, well. Talk about it. Talk about it. I thought this would yeah. be something, because not even we talked about it. We both knew about it and like I never made a big Had we not talked about it? We never explicitly did. We just joked about yeah, it. Yeah. And I like laughed at like how, like, <laughs> lol, you know. For people listening, I mean, you were there when 
when a lot of these things were going on. You, we weren't in each other's lives by this mm. point, but you were around enough that after everything went down with the, what the song Runaway is ultimately about, uh, I really like isolated from church community and from a lot of friends and things. And that the next few years really did become a blur. And I do remember somewhere in that vague time, just like an, an wordless acknowledgement with mm, you. Of totally. like, yeah. I think, you know, sort of what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's, I guess to your point about the post, I have been waiting to like tell it's, it's weird because I've been waiting to talk about this is what the album's about mm. because the album was about to come out. But also as a human being, I just get so tired of sort of having to explain to people things. Yeah. And I was in the unique position. Um, our relationship, mine and hers, was when I was, it ended when I was 28. God, which is young, quite man. Well, it's young and it's, it's old. old. In, it's, yes. old <laughs> it's old in queer years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and really, that's how old I was when I when I first started to sort of explore this side of my sexuality, mm. and that's old for doing that yeah. and for grappling with it. And I was in an extremely high pressure situation, not from the outside but from the inside. My parents are pastors. I had just um, broken through to this new stage of my career and was signing, you know, record deals uh, overseas and like music. I had a following of people that knew who I was. Yeah. I had a community of people in Melbourne that knew who I was, a new community of people around the world who knew my Christian church stuff. Um, mm. I just felt like there were a lot of eyes on me. One of the things you sort of have to learn as a queer person, as you get older is that people <sighs> there really aren't eyes on you or if there are, they don't really care because everyone's going through their own stuff. But when you're in it, you don't know that. <clears throat> and so the actual act of like telling the story became so important to me and just trying to find the right way to do it and the right time to do it. And also exactly like you said, it's not that big a deal. It's not the centerpiece of my life. It's no. it's also it also never felt to me like a big pronouncement of who I am, you know, about like here are seven identities you've been told about. This is the one that I am. Oh, yeah. For me, it's more about um I all I can do is tell you the story that's happened to me and give you a a snapshot of like where I'm at in this journey of of kind of becoming who I and supposed to be and then the album that I've made about it. So it was a lot it was a lot of things at once that post. I it mm. took a long time to figure out how to say it. Um and then once it was done I was like I would have felt good. It felt so good. It felt so good cuz ash it's it's so hard especially even the fact that like we never had like a conversation about it. It became this thing where you would meet people and be like, do they know? Mm. Do I have to bring it up? Do we, what do they know? And then people would ask you like, oh, so are you seeing anyone? And you, or you just sort of like, oh, mm. how do I? <laughs> That's too much. What do I do? That's um, exhausting. It is exhausting. It's exhausting and it, it, it's also unnecessary, especially once you then are like, oh, it's not that big a deal. No, but I think... For me, I felt like the way I was raised was to believe that sexuality was like the biggest part, right? Like of all yeah. the things that we um, 
know about ourselves, sexuality is the biggest thing. Of all the sins that you can commit, it seems that the sexual ones are the worst. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like it took me a very long time to realise that it's just kind of like one part that can be very fluid, part of a much greater collection of things that make me who I am. But that took me yeah. like 10 years to – and I still – still have the leftover bullshit of catching myself reverting to that old, you know, and of I, course. and it's like, and I hate that about myself. I hate I mean, that it, my faith <clears throat> is like, I don't think it was faith. It was that religion yeah. has kind of, it feels like permanently altered that part of my brain. That's always going to have a bit of a knee jerk reaction to that stuff. Even though if I take half a second to let it process, I it's I don't feel I don't actually believe that. Does yeah. that make sense? Of course. I mean, I am now at a point where I in all relationships in my life because I think because I lived with that um the shame of it, the secret of it, uh the internal questioning and battle of it for so long, it inevitably affected my relationships, every friendship I would make. Yeah. I even think it affected my personality. I think <sighs> My, I think I used to be, when I was younger, I think I used to be a lot more outgoing than I am now. I think I've become, I am extremely introverted now, but I actually think that that has, is a, is an evolved behavior. I don't think it's necessarily, when I look back at who I was as like a 13, 14, 15 year old, I was a lot more outgoing and confident and every friendship I would have closeness but like always to a point. Cause then there was always this other part that I just mm. never like felt comfortable, like talking to people about. So now that I'm starting to finally feel like more of an integrated human being, I have to try and like thread the needle on all these things that feel so underdeveloped in my life. Wow. Unpick like what's trauma, what's, what's stuff that I've been raised, what's programming, mm. what's my, what's my instinct, what's my nature. That's I still so feel hard. it. Point, That's I so feel, hard to do. It's so yeah. hard. I'm fucking well, terrifying. The, the, my way of doing it is to relax and be like, and allow myself to not know what to do Aye. and to be okay getting it wrong, to be okay just to take all the pressure off it, to not mm. even resent the things that have happened, um, but to sort of step back and go, okay, <laughs> this is who I am today. This is what I have to work with. I, you know, I, I will say I still feel somewhere on the spectrum of sexuality um, mm. and it's, and it's, it's, it's dicey because I actually don't care if people want to say, well, he's just gay mm. and he's in a relationship with, I don't mind that. Yeah. I don't say that because I still feel, and maybe this is just part of my evolution as a human being. I'm still relatively new to this community as far as being like a, a open card holding member. <laughs> Um, I still feel in so many ways, like a lot of those things are human language attempting to articulate mm. something that is so clearly beyond language. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a big fan of like picking a letter of the alphabet. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't reject it either. That's why totally. I like, I like the word queer. Yeah. At least for me. And as a, as a Christian, I want to say like my identity is like not earthbound. It's not, I can't pick a a word that a human being came up with to like sum up how I feel about relationships. Like, mm. so it's, I don't know, but again, and then I have those thoughts and I think, 
what does it mean? Where on the spectrum am I? And then on the other side, I'm also like, is that also still just the remnants of programming or is it still mm. fear-based? Is it still, and the solution I've learned is just, who knows? Just let it That's beautiful. unfold. Maybe it's a, maybe I think you still believe in God. You still have that alive and that's grown and beautifully and evolved to whatever you want it to be. I don't feel like I have that anymore. So I think it's yeah. a very different process. Totally. Because I have the added layer of lying in bed still at night at 3 and going, holy shit, God's not real. <laughs> Seriously, terrifying. Like ter- hilarious. You don't find terrifying. it. Do you not find that liberating? When it's not 3 a.m., I do. <laughs> right now it's 9.43 a.m. on a Friday and I go, oh, And you're like, let's go. Yeah. But because I think I'm like, oh, even, even as a, even when I was at my most involved in church and stuff, um, I think I was always very attracted to the complete binary of either God is real and his spirit is with us and all the things we're feeling or what all the, all that stuff or all the other way, the complete cold brutality of an uncaring, unknowing, unthoughtful universe. I weirdly am comforted by both of those. That's strange. Well, but I, <laughs> I think because I'm sort of like, I think if, if we are just all clusters of cells, it, uh, it, it uh, that is in its own other way kind of liberating yeah. and freeing. No, that me. makes sense. It, it, I'm sort of like, well, then then none of it really matters, and it, I don't know. It's, I'm not there though. Maybe I'm I'm yeah, like yeah, yeah. not on that. On I haven't chosen it. I just maybe still... it's more the version of God that I base my life on for most of my life is not real. Like, I don't believe you can pray to God and anything will happen. But I yeah. believe that I'm more than cells, and there is some sort of meaning and yeah. beauty in it all. Yep. But like it's I'm not saying my prayers and wishing that this yeah. person's cancer gets healed because God yeah, ain't yeah, yeah. listening to that prayer. But I but you know, I'm at peace with it, it's fine. But it yeah. is very different to like, you know, decide what I believe about the world when a huge part of everything hinged on that. I I still think I don't know. I I just have had to, even for myself, I've had to make the decision to believe that <laughs> that all of it still has somehow worked in concert to make us who we are. Right. Mm. So, I do we want to do we want to be different than who we are? I mean, I'm pretty happy. I mean, there's like there's things that I'm like I would change, but then there's a lot about my life now that I'm like, I I'm I'm weirdly content. Mm. There's plenty that I grieve. I still live in grief in a big part, but then also like everyone grieves, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think part of my ability, whether God was involved or not, mm. part of my ability to like make music that makes people feel something is because I have spent 36 years just feeling things in every moment. Yeah. And um, would I change that? So I could be a, in a Wall Street investor or something? I don't know. No, I think it was always going to be this way. Like, <laughs> hello, I'm I've not. heard Brahm sing your dad. <laughs> oh, Brahm. 
a good man. I love those two. They have had they have had a they're great. I think a lot of people assumed, and I, I've, I'm sure at some point we'll talk about it more. <sighs> um, but my parents are complicated, complex human beings, and I love them so much. And they are, have worked their butts off to be as understanding and open-minded as they can. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think a lot of people assumed when I sort of talked about, it, I grew up in church and then this happened. A lot of people were like, oh my God, that must've been horrific. Cause Your you hear parents these stories. cast you out and they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that is just absolutely not the story. It's more, it's more complex than they didn't just turn around and go, be who you want to be, love yeah. who you want to, you know, like. Wearing an LGBTQIA plus. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They didn't show up to church with rainbow flags <laughs> and things. But- that would have been great though. <laughs> I may come back for that Sunday. Less service. like my parents. Um, <laughs> But they've, they, they are, they are trying really hard and mm. I love them for it. So and we they, can ask, right? Yeah, they really are doing their best and they listen and they, I actually, before I posted it, because I'm still, after all these years, <laughs> the good son, I actually called them and sent it to them and just was like, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to post this mm. tomorrow. And, you know, we had a little, they had a little cry on the phone. Oh, I love very them a sweet. lot. I know they're, they're beautiful people. <clears throat> all right well i know it feels like people listening go you didn't talk about the album but we really did like having that we, conversation we, and then this is what to the album yeah more. this is what the album's about the album is about i mean ash the album is about living in that space between like what what do i believe where do mm. i go what happens um and it's funny um because the songs i think actually the songs are quite beautiful and like overall there's there is a kind of upbeatness to the album, like emotionally upbeat. The songs are still Ben Abraham songs, <laughs> mellow <laughs> as hell. But um, Camille, our, our mutual friend Camille Javal, pointed out uh, that there's this like undercurrent of just like anger and frustration, and there's all these lyrics like about rage and like, and I think that that just captures what it's felt like and what it feels like for a lot of. Christians and people of faith and spiritual people who are thoughtful about the world, they're like, I want to live. I want to hang on to this spirituality, but also like all this shit's gone down and I don't know how to process it. And... Yeah. That puts it well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little... <laughs> yep. <sighs> <laughs> this is, so, this is, I don't know if there's been a podcast or a therapy session. I, love, I knew it would be. Because part of me thinks maybe it will be easy to just go back to just going just the way it was. But that's exactly (laughs) like I want, I still want the, I want all that, but it's like, I can't. Well, I also just think if any of it's real, then it'll find you. And if it doesn't, then I hope it does. Good good riddance. I just want it to, in a real way, I want my kid. That's if and when you have kids, it changes everything, Ben. I, Believe it's it. Just like I want so much of the way I was raised was so good because it meant that I really thought about my influence on the world and the way I treated the earth and other people. Yeah. That was really good. But also parts of it were really bad. And I want him to have the good parts. I want him to go to bed at night and feel some sort of responsibility to the world and to people and to be, you know, yeah. good but I don't want him to have the shame and the stigma and the judgment. I know. And well, yeah. What does that look the like? Dysfunction, the dysfunction. The relational dysfunction. Yes. I, I will say, you know, 
when I moved to LA um, a few years ago, I tried visiting a couple of the churches here and just very quickly was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's me. a no for me. Uh, and I really decided, I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. I think I, I don't think I need to go to church out here. And I, I ended up doing this random songwriting session with someone and inevitably we talked about musical backgrounds and turned out that they also weren't really going to church anymore, but they're like, yeah, there's this little church I'm going to go to. And it's that funny. I just had that experience where I walked into this little mm. grinky dink church that had the worst sounding music you can imagine. There were homeless people. They literally were like, you need to, sorry. They came around being like, sorry, we've got hand sanitizer because there's been a hepatitis outbreak in the homeless <laughs> community. So we're just being, just being extra careful. This was a couple of years ago before COVID. <laughs> Um, just so I, so I just, I just cried the whole mm. way through and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't some like guilty feeling of like, yeah. Oh, I'm, I didn't, I didn't know anybody, anything. Nobody knew me. Nobody cared who I was. I just stood up the back and sang along to the worst sounding guitar playing, you know, just like seven homeless people singing. Like, yeah. but it, it, it reconnected me to something that had been missing for really for eight years. Yeah. And when I started to kind of get involved again, and again, this is just very much my own experience, but because music has, has been so tied to my experience of God, as I've gotten involved again, back in church, I can feel like I, I'm, I don't know, I, I'm playing better again. Mm. I'm singing better again. You know, I had surgery on my voice a few years ago and I had this moment where I thought I'd never sing again. And there is a weird thing about, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if, it, again, this is, I don't know if it's just muscle memory of being yeah. back in a community, but there, well, for whatever reason, I have felt this added dimension come back to my music that I'd felt had been missing. And wow. it's, that's why I can't seem to completely let go yeah. of whatever my faith is. I'm certainly hacking at it with, a knife <laughs> to try and I just I can't I, I mean there's a song on my record that literally says like I'm not going back to that because I it costs too much to live like that like I'm not I can't do it the way I was but mm. I I also can't completely let it go so who knows beautiful all right well I'll keep you posted <laughs> maybe I'll get there but I doubt maybe it. I love you darling love you oh big been... coming out oh that this was good great and the album Friendly Fire is out now. If you haven't listened to it, uh, if you haven't listened to it and you've got this fire into the how, impressive, then well done you. Uh, but now go and listen to it. Um, it doesn't need to be said that I love you heaps, but you know, obviously I'll say it. I love you heaps, mate. Thank you so much. It's mutual. I love you a lot. All right, we'll get around Ben's album Friendly Fire. It's out now. Listening back to that and editing that. Um, it was such a, I was reminded and impressed all over again at how beautifully Ben's able to articulate so much of the unknown and the questioning and the beauty and mystery of faith much better than I was able to, um, in that chat. I think I just swore a lot. (laughs) Um, look, if you ever have the chance, go see Ben live. And if anything, especially if you grew up in a faith community or you're in one now, My hope is that if anything, this chat highlighted the fact that it's okay for your personal faith to look however it wants to and however it needs to. And I guess your sexuality as well. The most important thing is that it's yours and nobody else's. 
I hope you loved, liked, or even just tolerated today's episode. Um, I'll be back next week. Love you guys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.